We are geek-centric, and you can be too. And welcome to the second annual Geek Centric Academy Awards preview show, emanating live from basements and recording studios around the world. What's up, geeks? In this episode, we'll be giving our thoughts and predictions on some of the biggest awards that will be handed out during this year's Oscars while sharing our opinions on the eight Best Picture nominees. But first, if you're joining us for the first time, this is a weekly show covering the world of film, television, gaming, toys and collectibles, and all things geek-centric. On today's episode, we roll out the red carpet for some of the biggest, most glamorous stars of the podcasting world. Joining us tonight, it's his third nomination for guest host. His opinions on movies can often be tough, You can call him a snob or just a film buff. He's a very promising young man. It's Mike Hogan. Oh, my God. I uh, can't (laughs) believe that I'm here. Um, Wow. I I didn't think that I would get this nomination again. I just want to thank my parents, God, you guys, the the Academy, uh, the Geek-Centric fans. I love you. I I couldn't do this without you. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's about it. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. How are we all this evening? Doing well. So glad to have you back, man. Thank you very much for having me on. I I know how much of a big deal this is. It is genuinely an honor to be on here with you. So I thank you so much for letting me on to uh, talk about my favorite thing in the whole wide world. And yeah, I think uh, as much as I wanted to get you on the wrestling one, just because of our connection there, I also think we have a, a really strong connection. Uh, just in terms of how much we often disagree on movies. And so I thought it would be great to get your opinion on here because I know how much you love movies and everything. Oh, yeah. So uh, all all the private 5 a.m. arguments that we have can now be made public for everyone to uh, see how (laughs) how we get along with one another. But but honestly, pre-warning, we do love each other very dearly. Yes. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, stepping out of the limo next. If your movie is sweet or sentimental, he's definitely in. If he had his way, every nominee would win. And with a beard like that, he's basically the father of Gnomeland. It's Nate. <laughs> Gnomeland? Really? Gnomeland. That's what you came up with. I mean, listen, uh, Kevin, I just, listen, I, I need to thank your mom uh, for, <laughs> yeah. for creating you. Playing the music now. now. Playing the music uh, now. <laughs> Listen, but I don't want to say that you're short and stout with a nice beard, and I'd love to have you in my garden, <laughs> but... Uh... Well, listen, uh, Kevin, I think we should be as nice as we possibly can be to each other, because I feel like we're going to be fighting by the end of yeah, this. Yeah, we'll, so. we'll start off nice, because it's only going to go downhill from here. That's a good <laughs> strategy. It. Love you, bud. Can't wait to, to chat now. And finally, looking so dashing, he doesn't even need a date for tonight's big show. Appreciating technical skill is his philosophy. 
This guy could one day win an award for cinematography. It's the Jayla of the GTA 6. What up, Just? What's up? I I would love to win a cinematography award at the Oscars. That would be like, that would be, I I don't even think I would be able to go up on stage and accept that award because I wouldn't be able to process (laughs) it. But another year. And here we are. After what 2020 has brought us, uh, we get to sit around and talk about some some movies and I don't know about you guys like I, I think you know I always find every year with the selection of movies that we have it's it's such a such a reflection on on the past year and, and the things that have kind of happened and I think this year out of all the years you could really see uh, representation of, of culture gender social issues all sorts of stuff in this best best picture uh, category which you know who knows? Can it stand the test of time? Whatever is is the winner, but uh, the nominees always reflect. I feel like a a sort of reflection of the past year. So and I, I think this is a this is a good good uh, good selection. I agree with what you're saying in that the nominees are often a reflection of the year that we're in. But I do feel when it comes to Oscar winners, it becomes more of where they stand in a year, in five years, in ten years time. You know, we had Parasite last year, and it's look at. Uh, wealth disparity uh, between the rich and the poor, and that's become something right. which has been much more prevalent uh, since the last Oscars. So I wonder which of these films will have the same effect. Will we be talking about yeah. them in a year, two years, three years? And that will be the true test of time, because obviously you've got some uh, some like Parasite, as I say, where a year later we're still talking about it, and others such as The Artist from 10 years ago, which appears to have made very little, if any, cultural uh, sort of significant, had any cultural significance at all. It it just won the award that year, and then we moved on. So, uh, yeah, very interested to see where where this batch leads us, um, and and cinema in general in the next few years. Well said. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, to just see how how the, the some of the people that are up for some of these awards how it's going to affect their careers. Um, I think that would be really really cool to see some of these uh maybe you know people that we haven't really gotten a chance to see too often uh take home an award and, and see how that boosts their career um but i also just wanted to quickly shout out um at least within canada i don't i don't know about you uh mike but within canada how accessible these these movies were i found that um you know last year we had such a, you guys had such a trouble finding uh jojo rabbit and uh, I also remember I, I tried to find 1917 and it was playing at like one theater uh, in all of Toronto, like twice. Um, and so, I, you know, I was just really happy that I could find all these on iTunes, Netflix or Amazon Prime uh, fairly easily. Uh, and it didn't actually even cost way too much. Like it, it cost way less than it would have at a theater for sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's probably not best if I discuss how I watch some of these films. <laughs> um, well, actually, I, I crammed them all in in the last 24 hours and managed to come up with such succinct thoughts on them. But um, we've been quite shafted, really, to be honest. Obviously, yeah. I know in, yeah. in Canada it appears to be slightly better than it is here, but you look at the US and, for instance, the Warner Brothers HBO Max deal, the day-and-date release of a lot of films, um, looking at the list of Best Picture nominees... Two of them, um, the father, well, sorry, three, the father, Minari, Nomadland, they're not even out in the UK yet. Promising mm. Young Woman and The Sound of Metal have only been released in the last week. Judas and the Black Messiah come out weeks later than it did in North America. Um, and it's 
quite varied. But yeah, it's it's been tough. I I can't wait to get back to the cinema as soon as possible and yeah. actually watch these films as they're as they're meant to be seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, unless it's a, a stinker like uh, Godzilla versus Kong, uh, but uh, I won't get into <laughs> whoa, my whoa, thoughts whoa. on that one. I won't get into my thoughts on that. That's not, we're here to talk about good movies. And we'll talk about that next year. So we'll talk about that <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe on a, a future episode. Um, uh, before we do move on, though, I did want to touch on uh, Nate. How you said uh, these awards might affect people's careers because I thought it was really interesting that um, eleven of the twenty acting nominations went to first time um, first time nominees. Yeah. So that's really cool to just see fresh faces sort of emerge as up and coming and prominent stars. Um, but speaking of numbers, uh, before we get to our predictions and our uh, analyses of, of the best pictures, as I mentioned off the top of the show, I thought it would be really fun to break down this year's Oscars by the numbers. Uh, and this is courtesy of Entertainment Weekly. $6.2 million, the highest domestic gross of 2021's Best Picture nominees. And that goes to Promising Young Woman. Wow. Yes. 35 nominations for Netflix, an all-time high for the streamer. 70 Women nominated for this year's Oscars, also an all-time high. Amazing. Eight, career nominations for the winless Glenn Close. Oof. Uh, (laughs) 83, the age of Anthony Hopkins, the oldest Best Actor nominee ever. And finally, 10, Oscar nods for Mank, the most of any film this year, which is a travesty that I will discuss as we move on. Oh, no. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, with that said, and without further ado, I think it's time to start the show. And let's jump right in uh, with our predictions. And in true Oscar tradition, we're going to make our picks for the awards for Best Supporting Actress and Actor. For Best Supporting Actress, the nominees are Maria Bakalova for Borat, Subsequent Movie Film. Delivery of prodigious bribe to American regime for make benefit once glorious nation of Kazakhstan. Glenn Close for Hillbilly Elegy. Olivia Coleman for The Father. Amanda Seyfried for Mank. And Yu Jung Yoon for Minari. Right, uh, I'll go first, um, but I think I'm probably going to be going away from a lot of you even though i share a similar opinion i just want to make very clear that probably my favorite performance uh well maybe we'll get to my favorite performance later on my joint favorite performance of the year is yu jung yun from minari what a performance that came from nowhere we'll get into depth on on why minari is such a, a wonderful movie later on she was the heartbeat of the film for me. Every time she was on screen, she added value. The connection she had, she felt very authentic. She reminded me of my nan. Um, I mean, my nan's still with me, but I was looking at her, her reactions, the way she behaved with the children. She was perfect. However, this is a prediction show, and I like to take a risk. And therefore, my my actual prediction of what I think is going to win is going to be Maria Bakalova for Borat, subsequent movie film, a delivery of prodigious bribe to American regime for make benefit once glorious nation of Kazakhstan. Yeah, I know she's not 
had the awards run that Yu Jung Yun has had, and that typically does go against who wins the Oscar. But she got the go- she got the Golden Globe nomination, which I didn't see coming. And I can see the Academy almost making almost wanting to make almost a political sort of stand with sure, this based sure. on uh, the subject matter of the film. She, for someone who was an, an untrained actress, I believe, she was hired by Sasha Baron Cohen for this. She knocked it out of the park. What she had to do, the situation she was put in, I thought she was fantastic. And what a launching off point this would be for her career to, to get an Academy Award for her first ever role. So... So I'm going out on a limb with this. It could end up being a tiebreaker uh, when it comes to Sunday night's award show. But yeah, Maria Bakalova is is my prediction. Uh, I I like that. I, I always like the the spontaneity and the sort of wild card guesses. That, like you said, when it comes down to the you know the voting or the, the the prediction sort of the contest side of it, it's always sort of good to um, to have those wild cards where you can sort of pull ahead if everyone's sort of lumping themselves together. Um, whereas I, I, I think I'm probably the veteran of the group here. I've, I've been predicting Oscars and pools and everything for well over 12 years now. And so I do a lot of my, my research and my, my sort of gathering of information based on the previous awards uh, shows that have gone on leading up to the Oscars. And so um, not only do I think that uh, Yoo Jung Yoon deserves the award, I think the fact that she won the SAG uh, and had such a beautiful acceptance speech there not that that should sort of sway things one way or the other but i i really think she'll win because she already won the sag award and i can't wait uh to see her actually do it uh just to see uh her speech on uh sunday night i think it's gonna be i think it's gonna be really lovely yeah i totally agree i think um uh she's she was the outstanding part of that film and 100 percent Yu jung yun should should win this award and I, I want her to win this award and that is my selection as well um but it's funny that Maria Baklova is seen as like an untrained actress because I've heard this a, a few times um, and she's been in a bunch of stuff. Maybe just not like really relevant things, but like she's been on a couple of Amazon shows oh, and miniseries. But no, no, it's just funny though because she came out of nowhere. And to your point, Mike, outstanding performance. Maria Baklova, like the fact that she even was able to 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 be on screen and do some of those things that she had to do in that movie um absolutely she she did a phenomenal job and i think she was she was the heart of that movie i think she was better than baron cohen in that movie um even though he was the the lead um i i do think that uh, i i'm not gonna i don't know glenn close i didn't see hillbilly leg or whatever i don't really care to based off of what i've heard about it um olivia coleman i think in the father was amazing she gave a really heartbreaking performance and and she she did such a good job uh in in that in that supporting role amanda seafried uh, uh was phenomenal in mank her costume design her hair uh and just the way she talked like it was you know we talk about wandavision and just how uh amazing elizabeth olsen is at sort of portraying someone from the different eras that she portrays. And I think, I think Amanda Seyfried did such a good job uh, in portraying somebody from that era as well. Um, but no, I'm going with uh, Yu Jung Yoon as well. Um, honestly, I just, I, her character as Sunja has stayed with me. Uh, and I love what you said, Mike, about her reminding you of your, your grandma. I see, I think a lot of people can see different aspects of, you know, their grandparents in her. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I would just love to see her, get even more roles, uh, you know, for, for her career, maybe, you know, in front of uh, Western audiences. Um, I would, I just, I'd like to see her again. So I, I really hope she does take it. So I, that's going to be my pick. 
just an interesting point on Glenn Close that you made there for Hillbilly Elegy. This is actually the first time ever that someone has been nominated for the same performance in the same film for an Academy Award and a Razzie Award. So (laughs) it is possible that she wins simultaneously the best and worst performance of the year (laughs) for the exact same film, which in a sort of sadistic kind of way, I would quite like to see. But um, (laughs) yeah, just a little note of history there. But so, so, but Kevin, in your, in your monologue there, she hasn't won an Oscar. Like she's, she's been nominated. Eight. I, it sounds like she's probably going to be zero for nine. Uh, yeah, right. So but she might be one for one with Razzie. There, yeah. oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, like like. Um, well, I don't think we have any Razzie nominees in our next category for best supporting actor. The nominees are Sasha Baron Cohen, Trial of the Chicago Seven, Daniel Kaluuya, Judas and the Black Messiah, Leslie Odom Jr. for one Night in Miami, Paul Racy for Sound of Metal, and Lakeith Stanfield for Judas and the Black Messiah. I, I'm going to give it to Daniel Kaluuya because I think that he was like he was so outstanding. He had such a presence. He he outacted the people around him, and and I think in some instances might have brought out better performances from other people just in their on-screen interactions. Um, but yeah, he did an outstanding job. I'd give him the Oscar. And he's he's been crushing it in the awards circuit already, right? Like, he's been he's been killing it. And I can see why. It's it, he, it, of all these roles, his stood out as being just so impactful. Yeah, absolutely, Justin. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya is my pick as well. Um, it's weird that him and Lakeith Stanfield are both supporting actors uh at the same time i i feel like i feel like lakeith stanfield to me felt like the main character just because of he's the first person you see in the film and so for me that usually but i don't know i could be wrong there i i i do want to say really quickly though that my personal choice would be sasha baron cohen um i think him in his role as abby hoffman in trial of the chicago seven was so so good that you know and it could be something to do with the writing and what have you but but just his portrayal made me want to research more of Abby Hoffman and so for me anytime anytime a performance can do that uh, it really stands out so I, I would want it to be Sasha Baron Cohen but I think it's going to be Daniel Kaluuya as my official pick uh, Nate I'm, I'm right on board with you there uh, Sasha had my favorite performance of, of these uh, five performances I mean I've only seen four of them but um, yeah Sasha was definitely my overwhelming favorite but I think uh, it's obvious that everyone is just going to pick Daniel Kaluuya uh, here uh, you know uh, with the Golden Globe the Critics Choice and the SAG it's uh, I, I just think it's the, the, the automatic go-to that uh, it's Daniel Kaluuya is going to take it well, no, because I'm going to stir it up again, Kevin. I'm going <laughs> to stir right. it up again. Twice. Um, twice in this, two categories. I, I actually have quite a bit I want to say about this, this particular category because there's a lot of reshuffling I'd, I'd like to do with it. But first of all, I just want to say my prediction is Lakeith Stanfield. I oh, wow. do. Oh, I, yeah. I do consider that he is probably the lead. I, I find it utterly baffling that they're both considered to be supporting because if they're both supporting then who is the lead actor in this film at the end of the day <laughs> um and for that reason i i would give it to him 
I love Lakeith Stanfield. He's in that bracket of actor where I will see anything that he's in. And to see him switch up from his roles in Atlanta and Sorry to Bother You to something like this um, just shows his range. He is a magnificent actor. And, and even in interviews that he does, he's such an interesting person and an interesting character. I'd love for him to take the award. Um, again, wanted to to go a bit different because at the moment it's you've all gone the same for two awards so tiebreaker time it could come down to this but in terms of this award in general there's uh paul racy for a start i was very happy to see that was a big surprise now i'm not sure if we'll get on to this point at all it was nominated at the globes i'm very happy to see leslie odom jr nominated for best supporting actor I would have liked to see him get it for Hamilton. Now, I know there is some contention as to whether or not it's a film. The Globes categorized as a film. The Academy didn't. Um, but his performance in Hamilton absolutely blew me away. I would love to see him. Uh, I would have loved to have seen him get nominated for that. If I could have picked anyone from One Night in Miami, it probably would have been Kingsley Benedict, who played Malcolm X. I thought he was yeah. magnetic on screen. Mm. And for Trial of the Chicago 7, I probably would have gone with Frank Langella as uh, the Judge Hoffman. Mm -hmm. I haven't wanted to reach into my screen and strangle someone quite as much as I did. He was a despicable character. One and of the biggest that, villains that, in years. Yeah, absolutely. And when you can get that kind of reaction out of me, that that's something special. Um, but but there are a lot of a, a lot of fantastic performances. And I like when a category provides so much discussion on this, on on what role which actor should have been nominated for, what film. It's probably one of the most interesting categories to look at on the night. But yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to divert from you all and go with uh, Lakeith. Yeah, I you know, like uh, I was underwhelmed by his performance and I, I agree with you. He's a fantastic actor, uh, Lakeith. I, I just don't know if this was the role to nominate him for. Right. Or for him to actually win an award for. Um, I feel like he was a little underwhelming in comparison to Daniel Kaluuya and just his presence. And and I think he was one of the actors that I was referring to that when he was on screen with him, his acting was so much better. But when he was on his own and like some of those like more dramatic moments, I just it looked more like acting to me than someone embodying some of those emotions. But Paul Racy. Like he could be the could be could be the upset in this category. He's been around for a while. I'd love to see it. He he was he was also like probably, you know, one of the most impactful characters in 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 the film just because of how his character felt like a real person. Like he embodied so much of it. Um, so it would be interesting to see him take it as well. With Paul Racy, he was just so grounded and it felt so real. Um, and I will close this out by saying, I totally agree, Mike. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield was the, the, the better actor uh, of the two from that movie. And this is the second time he's shown up Daniel Kaluuya because I think his three-minute scene in Get Out was a better performance than all of Kaluuya's uh, over the whole movie. So I'm just going to put that one out there. I think it's time to look at our first of the Best Picture nominees. A man refuses all assistance from his daughter as he ages. As he tries to make sense of his changing circumstances, he begins to doubt his loved ones, his own mind, and even the fabric of his reality. This is The Father. 
And I know we're not starting on the most positive of notes here, given <laughs> given the movie. But uh, why don't we break down our thoughts on uh, the father, guys? Yeah, I mean, first off, like what an incredible performance by Anthony Hopkins. You mentioned he's 83 years old, uh, the oldest in the the best actor uh, category, and. Like I'm, I'm just I'm so used to seeing him in roles where he's the smartest, most capable character in the room. So to see him play this character going through dementia, so so well uh, and in such a powerful way, um, I thought it was fantastic. And I, I did think that the movie does such a good job at bringing its audience along uh, in such like a vivid way. And I've I've honestly I've not seen it. At least with these themes and with with you know what it's expressing, I've never seen this before in any film. And so, well, I can't say that I enjoyed the movie. I don't think this is a movie that you walk away from being like, I really enjoyed that. Um, I do think it was masterfully well crafted, uh, and I think Anthony Hopkins gave one of my favorite performances that I've ever seen him give. I think it was a great film. I enjoyed it thoroughly. It felt like a play. Um, in many cases, because it was a play. Yeah, it was adapted from a stage. Yeah, play. exactly. So, it, yeah. but but it but, felt but like is it is enjoy the right word. <laughs> no, I. Well, okay, listen. Like obviously, the situation that he goes through is is very uh, personal and very unfortunate. Uh, but the journey, as as you describe, Nate, how you go down this road with him as he starts to lose the bits of him that he, he he's still holding on to. It, it was done so well through moving pictures and how things were cut together, almost giving you a sense of, of dementia, like what really just happened and, and confusion, very similar to him. And, and I thought that that, like crafting that within the narrative, that's enjoyable for me. Uh, giving me that sense of an experience that is more than just, I'm watching a story and, and actually embodying it and having me get a little foggy with these these details, I enjoyed that. So yeah, I enjoyed this movie and uh, Anthony Hopkins deserves the recognition uh, for, for his, for the role and Olivia Coleman. Again, she's, she's outstanding. She's, 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 un, she's unbelievable. She's, she's kind of becoming her own Meryl Streep in a way where she's just taking on these roles and she just, she can do anything with it. And she's, it's just her persona of what she brings. So what a, what a fantastic movie. I was totally surprised, very well written and very well visualized. Yeah. I, uh, I echo everything you say there, Justin. It was one of the last two Best Picture nominees that I I saw. I watched this yesterday. I I thought it was outstanding. The way uh, that you touched upon, the way that it left the audience unsure as to what they were seeing, what character have we just seen? Is that his daughter? Is that his carer? Um, I thought, <clears throat> excuse me, even uh, other even other side characters that are in it, such as Imogen Poots, uh, brought a lot to the role, a real warmth as the carer. Uh, I I don't know the gentleman's name who played the the husband, but he was a real asshole. For me, Olivia Coleman is always going to be Sophie from Peep Show, where she is an absolute <laughs> wreck of a woman. And so to see her now being described as potentially the next Meryl Streep will always be a trip to me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just it, if you've ever seen a family member deteriorate with dementia seeing their their defiance to accept that their condition um was really tough to watch uh anthony hopkins portrayed that so well in the film i love the way that the the story was told and left you constantly unsure i would love to see how this would play out on stage as a play because obviously the staging is going to be entirely different um olivia coleman played the heartbreak so well 
and it it is a sad movie there's no getting around it it's not but it it's not trying to just make you cry for the sake of it it is a very real story it's very grounded it's grounded in real emotion these feel like they are related to one another there's a lot of love there and it, it's a beautiful film it, it's one i would i would recommend but recommend with with an asterisk next to it that you know this is a tough watch. But yeah, yeah. Couldn't agree more with everything you just said. That's absolutely it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm going to admit I went into this a bit ignorant. I tried to learn as little as I could about the movies, um, and I thought this was almost going to be like a mystery thriller. Uh, and instead, it was well, that just, was a surprise. It was <laughs> shocking, and and I quickly realized what was going on. Um, I'll just say this is the movie of the eight nominees that affected me the most. Like. Yeah, resonated 100%. with me and sort of stuck with me after for the longest. I almost wish it wasn't the last one I watched um, on the particular evening because then I kind of went to bed just sort of thinking about it and thinking about it. And it, it hits hard and it hits heavy and it hits really real and almost personal because it of the way it brings you in and, and makes you feel that sort of, uh, you know, disorientation and, and confusion. Uh, and it, And it does that so well. Uh, I cannot say that I enjoyed it as much as I really, really appreciated yeah. what they did with the movie. And I always love finding these movies where I could recommend to my parents or uh, say my father-in-law who always loves my recommendations for movies. I don't think I would recommend this to an older generation of people just because of the real fear that it could, you know, I know that, you know, my father-in-law is 75. This is something that might genuinely terrify them. And for somebody who, my, my, my great-grandmother um, suffered from Alzheimer's and, and I saw that sort of, this sort of deterioration of the mind and confusion. And just, it's so personal and heavy. I'll never watch this movie again, but I can't, I can't say how much I appreciated what the filmmakers did to bring this sort of vision um, to life. Okay, appreciate is probably a better word than enjoyed. I appreciated this movie, then I enjoyed it. I'm not even trying to harp on you for that. And one of the things I think really helped sort of bring this vision to life um, is represented in our next category for predictions. So why don't we move right along? The next category is, is one of the more technical categories that we're looking at um, this evening. Uh, and it's a, an award about details. Uh, and as you know, we're all about the details. This is the award for Best Production Design. The nominees are The Father, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Mank, News of the World, Tenet. It's got to be Mank. I, I think if we talk about production design and we talk about, again, just everything that goes into the making of a film, um, it, Mank nails what it's going for. It, it nails the aesthetic of, of the 1930s Hollywood and... Everything, especially even like the the sound, um, and I, well, I don't think it'll win best sound because I think that's going to go to something else that maybe we'll get to later. But I, I do think like even just the way they the characters talk and and how you hear them and just the way it's shot and colored, um, I think it's I think it's going to take it. I think it's a shoe in. Yeah, I, I Mink is my choice as well. I think the only other one that has contention is. My rainy black bottom. Like I think that that's that's potentially one that could be. But I think Mank nailed the aesthetic that it was going for. Like you pointed out, the sound it sounded old. 
Like it sounded very yeah. old, like an old movie. Um, it had like that grain and grit to it. Like it was like being played on like a track that would be separate from the movie itself. Like it's, it, it just, it, it was really crazy how, how in depth they went with, with that. But also like things like, you know, when they're driving, it looked, and when they were sitting, it looked like a, just a screen behind them. Like it felt very classic Hollywood and that attributed with the costumes and the design and, and the intention, just the intention behind everything. So I feel like if this movie's going to win anything, it's it's definitely going to probably win something like this versus some of the other bigger, bigger things that it's nominated for that it, it's not, it's not going to win. I, at least I don't think it will. So I am going to divert and I'm going to pick the other film that you mentioned there, Justin. Uh, my prediction is Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Yeah. I think it's going to get a lot of discussion based upon the the last performance of Chadwick Boseman. Right. Uh, we will get into it more later, the more performance aspects of the film. But for a movie which essentially had two locations, really, yeah. the rehearsal room yeah. and the, the performance area, it, it, it transported me to uh, the late 20s Chicago. I felt the hotness i felt the sweatiness i felt the vibe these musicians bouncing off one another it it one thing i love about a, a film is when it can completely transport me and it, it certainly did with this with mank i completely agree with what you're saying however i do wonder whether this is sort of something which is playing to the academy's tastes a little bit um it's very old-timey hollywood Whereas Ma Rainey's Black Bottom for me was just stunning for, it it felt like it could have been a play and could very easily have been a play and it would be just as good. Yeah, it it was fantastic for me. I I adored it for its production design, for for only being able to have a, a handful of characters and a handful of locations to create a world so big using so little it takes a it takes a great amount of skill, um, and th- and that is my prediction. Uh, I, I'm going to be obvious, like go with the obvious one. I just, I honestly do think Mank's going to take it. You know, uh, like you said, Mike, Hollywood loves a movie about Hollywood, especially old time Hollywood. I just think, you know, it's one thing if you're recreating these enormous sets and and your production, it, it, the the impressiveness is, is in its scale and how much you put into that and. I think my choice for what should be, uh, I think it should be the father. I think the way they use the space of that apartment or the flat, as he calls it. Um, and Well, that is what it's called, Kev. Yes, it is. It's <laughs> called a flat. My apologies. Um, but yeah, just the way it's constantly changing. In every scene, there's something slightly different. There's something a little bit off about it. And, you know, he could, Anthony Hopkins' character could look one way at a door, turn look back and it's a different door and i just think the way they manipulated such a small space to feel so big and ever-changing i think there's so much more skill in just let's build the biggest set we can to recreate something from the 40s and so that's where i that's my where my preference comes in those little details the 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 apartment in in the father almost becomes a character in and of itself and i think that takes so much more work than you know just building a, a big set or or recreating something from the past and especially with with mank we've seen that done in so many movies over the year whereas i felt what they did in the father was a bit more original i do think that uh, mank is going to take it but 
Speaking of details, why don't we take a look at our second Best Picture nominee. Fred Hampton, a young, charismatic activist, becomes chairman of the Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party, putting him directly in the crosshairs of the government, the FBI, and the Chicago police. But to destroy the revolution, the authorities are going to need a man on the inside. This is Judas and the Black Messiah. If I can just spring off with a point, not about the film in itself, but just the the craziness of this Oscar eligibility period, in a typical year, this movie is not being nominated this year. It was released after the cutoff point. Um, I believe the, the cutoff point is typically the 31st of December of the year prior. Due to everything yeah. and the pandemic, it's been pushed back. I think it's wonderful that this has had a chance to be to be included. I think it stands on its own merits that it should be included. And if we were in regular times, as it were, I would hesitate to think of many films coming out this year that could beat it. It was a, a fantastic film to watch. It was tight. It was powerful. It was very, uh, very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it, it just felt very of, of the moment yes. uh, for timely. now and for everything that we've gone. Yeah, timely. Thank you, Justin. It was very timely for, for everything that we've seen over the last sort of six to eight months the protest worldwide. It's an important film and provides a bit of context and history for people who may not have known that or seen that before. Um, so I, I, I really enjoyed it. it. It wasn't my favorite of the of the nominees, um, but a very deserving nominee all the same. Yeah, I agree with you. It wasn't my favorite. It was very deserving. And to learn that, like, this is a story about really the influences that people like Martin Luther King or Malcolm X left to continue the work that they had started and this this sort of activism of moving forward with racial justice and, and, and equality. This was a really kind of like almost like a pocket story that obviously had very strong implications and, and, and impact, but something that, again, like I had no awareness of. I don't know. It just, it was an educational sort of film for me. And, and I think at the same time, it's, it was timely. Like we were saying, it's, it's very on point with what's going on right now in the world. And it, it shows that it's, a, it's an ongoing continuing fight so you know i think it, it the way that they wrote both the care both the main characters at this point we'll just say they're both the the main characters um i think was was fantastic i think they you know um had this been maybe uh, an older movie it could have very easily painted one as a villain and one as a hero um but it didn't and i i, I always enjoy seeing those stories um of of just you know the realism that 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 it brings through and and getting a deeper understanding and 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 not seeing these characters painted in that way right not seeing them uh you know especially someone like bill o'neill painted as a as just like a, a villain um granted he is you know he's technically like the antagonist to uh to fred hampton but i i don't know i just i i loved i loved the way that they portrayed these characters the way that everything was written um and it's yeah, it's one of the best films of the year. Uh, see, uh, just to, yeah, in my opinion, uh, I honestly think it's an important story that needs to be told. Um, and I think the performances were great, and the movie was well done. I'm just not sure if it was a best picture caliber movie, in my opinion. That's that's really how I felt about it when it, it, I, I I I enjoyed it. 
it, it, and I appreciate the story it's telling more than the quality of the movie that was telling that story. That's that's how I feel about the trial of Chicago Seven, right? Like, is the exact well, we'll, same we'll thing. We'll get into that later. Then won't we? <laughs> before we before we jump the gun, why don't we move into our next uh, prediction category? Uh, well, speaking of best picture, um, uh, why don't we predict the best picture? Of the animated variety. Ooh. These are the nominees for Best Animated Film. Onward. Over the Moon. A Shaun the Sheep movie. Farmageddon. Soul. <laughs> Wolfwalkers. I mean, should we all go on free? <laughs> yeah, One, yeah, we can probably two, do this pretty quickly. Free Wolf Sean the Sheep. <laughs> oh <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Obviously no, not. I, it's I, definitely I, soul. I think soul, yeah, hundred percent. I think soul is is gonna do is gonna take it as well. But Wolfwalkers is getting a lot of praise. Yes. That was the one thing I was gonna say. Like, if it beats out soul, that's a big thing. Like I would actually be okay with that. I would be okay with that. Only twice in the last 10 years has something beat out Disney or Pixar. Um, and my only fear for Wolfwalkers is that um, it, it didn't get the same hype as the last one to do so, which was Into the Spider-Verse. And so I think, you know, I think I think just the momentum that Soul had going through the holidays, it, it's just going to carry it, I think. So I think that's probably the most obvious one. So I think we can probably move on. Let's get back into the live action world and take a look at the third nominee for Best Picture. 1930s Hollywood is reevaluated through the eyes of scathing social critic and alcoholic screenwriter Herman J. Mankiewicz as he races to finish the screenplay of Citizen Kane. This is Mank. Ugh. This was Boom. the last this was the last movie I watched and I'm so glad I did because it was I I love David Fincher and and honestly like I I can see a passion that he put into crafting like a sort of aesthetic of 1930 filmmaking but my golly like this was one hell of a awful movie like I just did not I don't and I know that the only reason that it's been selected by the Oscars is because it's like it's self-reflexive like they Hollywood is like yeah let's let's we have to have like a nominated movie of our history like we're so important and the thing is is that it, it doesn't connect to a general audience it only connects to a Hollywood or a history I guess but like more Hollywood like there's there's probably old geezers that are just like oh I remember when this was like a big thing right like you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was the most pretentious of the nominees in what? my opinion it was a, f a film for film yeah for filmmakers more than for audiences i think i think it's like i appreciate the movie i appreciate its aesthetic we talked about its production design i appreciate so much about it i wish i got my two hours back i wish that i <laughs> i wish i didn't watch this movie because I, I i very easily could have watched a scene from it and and appreciated it just as much i i was texting kevin about this saying you know i've only got a couple of movies left to watch but I, I don't want to tell you how i feel about it let's talk about it when we record um and my one word review for mank what well my one sentence review was mank was certainly a film that i watched and that's it <laughs> i am the biggest lover of old hollywood i love the aesthetic i love learning about the history rko pictures I thought the character of Mayer uh, and sort of looking at Metro Golden Mayer, that was probably the most exciting part of the movie for me. There were some good performances in it, but 
this this just felt like Netflix said to David Fincher, "Here's a hundred million dollars. What do you want to do?" And he said, "Well, I I bloody love Hollywood, so I'm going to make this." And Netflix went, "Sure, we can put this out for consideration, and this is going to be this is going to be our our prestige picture this year." In terms of a love letter to old Hollywood, it did not do the trick for me. If you want a more recent love letter to old Hollywood, which isn't even set in that era, La La Land nailed it for me. Nailed the aesthetic. Yeah, that that was a beautiful sort of representation, homage, taking all of the aspects of old Hollywood, making them modern. I don't know what Mank was trying to be. I don't know what the purpose of it was. I felt even the making of it wasn't even like it was about the production of Citizen Kane. That almost felt like it was in the background. And that's such a big mystery, apparently. And who actually wrote the movie? So this is telling of a story about like the person who apparently didn't get any writing credit for Citizen Kane. But that's not even the story they were telling. Which that's right. Exactly. More it's, interesting. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. That would have been far more interesting. And yeah. I don't know. It was, it was awful. <laughs> uh, and yet somehow this was not my least favorite of the Best Picture nominees. Whoa. But uh, we'll Ooh. get there. Whoa. Right. Whoa. Fighting words. Yeah. I think I think we can all agree that this was uh, not our favorite film. We mentioned the production design, design was great, uh, and also um, our next uh, prediction category. Uh, I think it it sort of had elements that that worked for it uh, for this as well. Of course, I'm talking about uh, the award for best cinematography. Sean Babbitt for Judas and the Black Messiah, Eric Masserschmidt for Meg, Darius Wolski for News of the World. Joshua James Richards for Nomadland. Fieden Papa Michael for Trial of the Chicago 7. All right, so I am going to go with Joshua James Richards for Nomadland. The way it used cinematography to convey space and confined spaces, the, the just just the use of the camera as a mode of, of storytelling was so well done. The the only other one that I could see maybe having contention in this is 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 Mank. It felt like film. It, the reality is is that yeah. it's probably digital because that's what he he is known for. Fincher. He he probably did a lot of post production. I don't know if it if if as much as what we're seeing in cameras actually in camera as much as just it being like run through various different you know grades and sort of like aesthetic changes just to give it that look rather than it being shot on actual film so i feel like the the, the one that's going to take this one is is joshua james richards I, I i hope he does he he the, he's he's the least known and he did it with such little gear that he deserves that recognition for for shooting that film the way he did yeah i'm going to also go with uh, joshua james richard for nomadland as well um i feel like out of all the movies that are on that list, it, it's honestly, it's the only one that sort of, uh, as I was watching it, it really stood out. Um, the the sunsets and the just the way that they depict that film, like it just made me want to get on the road so bad. I want to I want to go get an RV right now um, and just seeing seeing just how much beauty there is out there in the world through this film. Um, I thought that was just such a it just speaks to how how the movie was shot. And uh, yeah, Joshua James Richard, I think, nailed it. Yeah, I'm going to actually agree with you guys for once on a category. <laughs> I agree. Um, we'll talk about the film in more detail in a bit, in my opinion yeah. on it. But uh, I agree. I think the mark of a well-shot movie is you can pause it. And in itself, that what you see on screen, the mise-en-scene, 
to get a bit technical, um, could be framed and, and hung up. And there were many, many shots in Nomadland that I thought were beautiful. The use of natural lighting. Uh, I believe... I don't think they used any artificial lighting during the making of this movie. They did. I kid you not, it wasn't like big lights, like traditional Hollywood lights. It's literally someone holding a little LED light that's just casting a little bit more of a highlight, right? Or it's just placing more elemental lights into a scene that just give it a little bit more of boost of lighting. But for the most part, this was shot very, very natural with very minimal production. Yeah, I, I, will, I will say a V positive of Nomadland was how lovely it looked. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm going to jump right on that. I have a dreadful, dreadful feeling that Nomadland is going to dominate um, the awards this year. And this yeah. is the only bloody one that I think it deserves. So right. it was an obvious choice for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although our next movie wasn't nominated in the cinematography category, I did personally find it a beautifully shot film. This is our fourth nominee of the evening for Best Picture. Yearing to own a small patch of land and be more than a chicken farmer, Jacob Yee relocates his Korean-American family from California to rural Arkansas to capture the elusive American dream. However, new beginnings are always challenging, and finding out what is best for one's family is easier said than done. This is Minari. This is my heart. This is my heart and soul, man. This movie. I love it. It was so good. Touching, simple. You're right, Kevin. Beautifully shot. The wide scapes of America, the American dream, planting roots, all the symbolism and messaging and in, in what, what he was trying to do with his family and, and the family's growth through that process. Um, this is a story that needed to be told, especially right now. Like in terms of all the films mm. that are nominated about sort of cultural equality and the, the perception of that, this film right now has the most to say about that with everything that's gone on obviously in the news with uh, hate crimes towards east asians and and understanding that there's there's a lot of people that come from america that are part of the the cloth of america so this was so well done uh huge surprise for me i i thought i was gonna like it but i i didn't think i was gonna like it as much as i i i do uh, i think nate you said it. some people said it was too simple that comment shows that people are missing the, the bigger picture of family this idea of family and what family symbolizes i actually think not much happens in the movie is kind of a common thread in a lot of the best picture nominees this year. Mm. Um, and, and so I was actually surprised that this was my second favorite of the best picture uh, nominated films. Um, it was a slower pace and it was very much telling a story uh, with fewer words, which is generally sort of the opposite of what I look for um, in a movie. But I just thought that when the characters spoke, the words that were spoken were chosen so specifically and with such perfect uh, purpose. And, and Justin, you, you nailed it on the head that, you know, everything that's going on with, with Asian Americans right now, um, this is a very important story to tell. And I love that rather than showing uh, a sort of vitriol or a, a hatred by, by um, white people, let's just say it, towards Asian Americans, they show the story from a different perspective and and almost show why it's so unnecessary and so awful without talking about it once. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and, and so I, I just thought that was really well done, and I and I loved the symbol the symbolism of water and fire, um, yeah. and how all of their troubles come from the water. Um, you know, and then at the end. It's not there to save the day when they really needed it the most. I just, I, I, I was watching it. I didn't think I liked it until it was over. And I just thought, 
wow, I really, really enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of a lot of the the best pictures have very a lot of what we call staying power, right? And we we talked about Mike. You had mentioned um, uh, Parasite and how that's just really stayed. I think this is another movie that you know um, is going to to stay with people for for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, we talked about Yoon Yoo Jung um, and Alan S. Kim. I think they were the grandma and grandson in this movie, and they were they were just so wonderful in carrying the movie. Kevin, you called out the the relationship uh, that Jacob has with Paul. Um, Paul's the the guy that kind of helps him around the farm. And I love that relationship. I, originally, I was really against, like I was like, creeped out by Paul. I'm like, this guy's not good news. Stay away from him. But, you know, going through the film, I think my uh, experience with Paul changed just like the characters in the movie. Um, and I think it really speaks to you know the relationship um, that can be produced when you're when you're just open and and honest and and caring uh, and of service to another person, your fellow your fellow person. Um, and I listen. I cry in every movie, but I cried uh, in the third act of this film the, when they're running. I just couldn't stop crying. I was I was <laughs> weeping. Um, but I don't think this movie ever gets overtly depressing. Uh, at the same time, um, at the at the end of it, it's just beautiful. It's simple, and it, it feels good to watch. Uh, yeah, um, Kevin, it's interesting. Uh, we we did speak off camera regarding your thoughts towards A twenty four pictures, and yet Minari is an A twenty four picture, but so maybe not like did. most of them. No, 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 no. <laughs> you said you didn't. You weren't too fond of A twenty four movies, so so that's where I'm going with. Um, I. You mentioned revisiting films. This is absolutely going to be a film that I revisit year after year. If I'm having a rubbish day, if I'm feeling ill and I want something, I describe this as a beautiful, warm hug of a movie. Okay, not a lot happens. It's it's just a story about a family and they're trying to make it. They're, They're immigrants coming over to the States in the 80s, the American dream. And it's beautiful it's so it's stunning in its simplicity um i believe it's actually uh, sort of autobiographical or semi-autobiographical yes um by the director uh lee isaac chung and just w- what a film it is it it came from nowhere one thing that i i was a bit unsure of was when it started to get festival buzz and I heard the term, oh, it's this year's parasite thrown around. And in reality, that seems a bit disingenuous at best. That's that's a little racist, too, if you think about it. It's like, it's another Korean film. <laughs> yeah, that's essentially the point. People have got, oh, it's another South Korean film. It must be parasite. It's the furthest thing from it. Yeah. And the fact that I, I really love the fact that it's been nominated for Best Picture Here and not Best Foreign Language Picture. Yes, like 100%. It, it fully deserves to be nominated with the because this is the best of the best. This is likewise my second favorite of the uh, best picture nominees. I, I don't really know what what more there is to add about this film. It's it, it's a tough sell. If if someone didn't know anything about the film, I, I don't know quite how I'd describe it other than watch this film and you will feel good at the end of it. It it will make you feel nice. And just a, a quick shout to uh, Stephen Yun. Um, within the first 30 seconds, I went from thinking, how am I going to take Glenn from The Walking Dead seriously in this role to going, all right, this is this character. This is this loving father who's working. Like, I, 
the way he was able to transform my only perception of him as an actor so far to this brand new character so quickly, I was really, really impressed uh, by that. I also just wanted to just mention just uh, quite funnily off the back of our wrestling podcast the other week, there was wrestling in this movie, which I thought for the uh, the grandpa was getting good, the, somebody's going to get killed here. Yeah, 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 that, was, yeah. that was great. That was I, and, uh, I, I and the that. grandma. What does pee taste like? Uh, is maybe top five jokes in a movie this year. That was like I laughed out loud at that line. I thought that was great. Well, speaking of writing, why don't we jump into what are constantly every single year my two favorite categories at the Oscars. Um, usually my favorite picture of the year wins one of these two awards. Let's talk about a little pen to paper. First, this is the award for Best Original Screenplay. The nominees are Judas and the Black Messiah, Shaka King and Will Burson, Minari, Lee Isaac Chung, Promising Young Woman, Emerald Fennel, Sound of Metal, Darius Martyr and Abraham Martyr, and the... Ch- and the trial of the Chicago Seven, Aaron Sorkin. So I, I would, I would love it if it went to Sound of Metal. Um, I think it's it's such an a, an original uh, story that that you know I've I've never really experienced before. Um, I think it's going to go to Promising Young Woman, um, which again is is fantastically original um, in its in its own right. Um, I, I just I I've I've got a strong feeling that that's going to be where promising young woman does well uh is is in the screenplay category i i agree i i believe it is going to go to promising young woman i said this to a friend as soon as we watched it i said i think if nothing else this is going to get love in the screenplay categories and he assured me that it wouldn't and yet here we are it's it's got (laughs) nominations across the board I, I mean, you can't rule out Aaron Sorkin. He is the the master pensmith, the 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 master scribe. I, I can see there, Kevin. I know Aaron Sorkin is your boy, um, but for me, it, it's promising young woman, and I will get more into why I love that. I do think there was a couple of snubs in this. I just wanted to bring up slightly left field, a film which maybe flew under the radar this year, Palm Springs. Uh, it was Andy Sierra. Oh, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yes. That was a fantastic movie. Original idea. Um, well, it, have you seen Groundhog Day? Lovely. I mean, if you if you take some, I mean, you can base that down to any time travel sort of film. Um, and uh, I also really enjoyed um, The King of Staten Island, written by Judd Apatow and Pete Davidson. I thought it was a return to form for Apatow. Uh, I appreciate that maybe a hot take there, judging by Kevin and a few of your reactions. Uh, but I, I thought that had a surprising amount of heart. Bit long, not gonna lie. That's Judd, though. He's long in the tooth. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. He can't make anything under two hours. Um, but I would have liked to have seen those get some love. Right, right. I I am with you guys uh, wholeheartedly. I, I believe that uh, for Best Original, we will see Promising Young Woman. Emerald Fennel will win. I, I love that she's nominated for Best Director. Um, I just don't... I, I think that's going somewhere else. Uh, but... Here is where she deserves that that recognition for what she did with this movie, and um, it's so well done. It was it was great. So yeah, I'd love to see this one win. The only other one that I was thinking, because um, like, I don't think Aaron Sorkin deserves it for this movie. He's already gotten awards for movies that he's done that are way better, that are way better. So oh, so I you win like one doesn't... and you're done. Tell that to Meryl Streep. Sure, but <laughs> Minari. 
I, I think it is is another underdog in this category that could potentially, you know, that that might be running neck and neck with promising young woman. Um, I actually don't know what's going to win in this one. This one is really up in the air for me. Um, um, I, I'm not saying what I don't want, and, and I'll pick something, but I honestly don't know what will win in this one. It's really tough. I honestly don't think Promising Young Woman deserves an award for this particular category, if only because I think the last uh, 15 minutes, I think it kind of loses its way a little. We'll talk about that more later. Um um, obviously, uh, uh, for me, uh, when you e e analyze a writing award, I think my focus personally is on dialogue and nowhere in any of these movies is that stronger, uh, or more like a, a, just a singular defining feature of a movie than in trial of the Chicago seven. Um, I won't linger too long on this cause I'll, I'll, uh, have my excitement, uh, when we dissect the film a little bit later and you guys all break my heart by saying you don't like it as much as I did, but yeah, I'm going to go with trial of the Chicago seven. This is the only category where I just said, I cannot vote against my movie. This is the one and I will prove you all wrong come Sunday. All right. All right. We'll, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. But let's move along. Let's move along to the award for best adapted screenplay. The nominees are the father, Florian Zeller and Christopher Hampton, Nomadland, Jessica Bruder. One Night in Miami, Kemp Powers, Borat, Sasha Baron Cohen, and seven other people, uh, and The White Tiger, Ramon Barini. Um, so for me, I'm going to go with One Night in Miami. Um, I think pulling a, a, from script to stage is not the easiest thing to do, and I think the father did a great job of it, um, but I just think that Kemp Powers... Uh, you know, he he blends the story and dialogue really, really well with yeah. One Night in Miami, and it gives it gives the characters uh, room to breathe. I think, um, yeah. unlike unlike the father, which was you know also adapted from a stage play, One Night in Miami, I felt um, it it just it just the characters grow a little bit more throughout the film, um, and and I get I get that that's they're completely different stories, but I don't know. I just I just felt like for for two movies that take place primarily in the same room, as far as how they were written. Um, I do think that uh, One Night Miami is going to take Best Adapted. I agree with you. It it it, it deserves that recognition. Uh, same with the father. They they've transitioned a play into a movie, but I think it's also the visual realization of that that really helps with how that translates. Uh, that being said, just just because I don't know, I'm going to select Borat subsequent movie film as Best Adapted Screenplay. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Because I honestly think that this movie is going to win something. And if it's going to win anything, it should be here. It should be right here because it it literally adapted itself for the times. For the time of Corona and living in a pandemic and the political sort of climate. And that will serve, you know, as Mike had mentioned right at the top of the show, like something that people will go back and, and remember. So I, I think it's I think there's a there's a likely chance that, you know, if it's going to win something, it could win this. <laughs> I'm glad you said that because I I that was my prediction. When I saw the father, <laughs> I did think, oh, maybe my maybe my prediction is going to change because the father was so so well written but it's based upon a play it's kind of a like for like poor so i don't and know the performance how much... the performance the is what carries it yes of course and i agree i think borat is gonna get something um obviously i went with maria bakalova for supporting actress i actually have my, my bold prediction is that borat is going to walk away with more oscars than mank 
this Sunday. <sighs> yeah, That's... let's go. Let's go. Now, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a limb and say that. Um, I I agree. I also think perhaps there's an element of like was touched upon earlier a a legacy Oscar in a way, and I think for Sasha Baron Cohen's, even though he did write this for the team, for his contributions to comedy, um, I I think he may walk away with with the Oscar on Sunday. Yeah, he deserves the nod. I honestly think it won't win just because they don't want to have to make up eight trophies just for one category, you know, because all eight people will get one. So um, I actually went in a slightly different direction because, as I mentioned earlier, I think Nomadland is going to take way more Oscars than it deserves. And I think for whatever reason, it's going to get it here, even though it doesn't make any sense because it's like half documentary, this movie, you know, they're they're. They're, they, it's, it felt like they put Francis McDormand in this situation with real people and just sort of said, let's just see what happens and we'll call it a movie. And at the that's end of the day, a, nothing happens, so you know. Um, I really would like to uh, actually see the father win it, but I, I sadly don't think it will. All right. Well, uh, Justin's flying us along here, so let's keep it up and slow things right down, way down with our next nominee for Best Picture. Following the economic collapse of a company town in rural Nevada, a woman in her 60s packs her van and sets off on the road exploring a life outside of conventional society as a modern-day nomad. This is so bad land. I mean, nomad land. <laughs> hey, no fair. Let's, let's be fair. Let's be fair. Let, let's have Nate out, give us his pitch first. Then. All right. Well, listen, Nomadland uh, is such a lovely movie. Um, the very grounded and real performance by McDarmid uh, in this movie, at times, uh, to your point, and I think this is obviously what they were going for, it felt like I'm watching a documentary. Um, the story was so simple, but also so powerful. I felt like the message of finding home wherever you find yourself to be uh, is really powerful. And it's something that, you know, especially going through these past couple of years, hit me really hard given that we're you know we're all at home we're all stuck at home uh and so to see this movie of this woman who's you know she's she's experiencing so much she's she's living so much life by getting out of her house and and traveling uh in this you know this nomad lifestyle um i love it because it it doesn't glamorize or commoditize uh, nomad life i don't think and it but it's also not too dark and depressing again very similar to like minari um i think it shows Really, honestly, it shows very real aspects of living that lifestyle, but also the beautiful uh, aspects and the joys that come from that lifestyle. So, uh, I, I just, I, I really loved this movie. I five, really, really enjoyed it? it. I give it a five out of five uh, okay. for this movie. Yeah. So, did you ever see that movie a few years ago with Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson, where they they did an internship at Google? So for the first half hour of this film, I thought there was that, but for Amazon, to be honest, and especially if you take into account all of the social media accounts that have been saying about how Amazon's such a great place to work. Um, this, I know we said earlier about Minari was a film where nothing happened and it was great. This literally nothing happened. And it's not that I don't understand the points that you're making, Nate. I, I do understand the point that you're making and what the point of it was trying to get across but in order for a point like that to get across for me, I need to connect with characters. And I simply didn't connect with Francis McDormand in this film. There was no one I connected. And I get that part of a nomadic lifestyle is that people come in and out of your life. 
And it's almost a shame that that, that due to that, the most interesting characters that we meet in the film are only fleeting and sparse. We've got the woman who's ill. We've got the weird sort of hippie dude with the lighter. It it just wasn't for me. I I yeah. I this was the the least entertained I was by. It's my least favorite of the nominees. I I don't see what I don't see what it was trying to say that I couldn't have grasped from a Wikipedia article or from a blog from someone who lives a nomadic life. There was a Vice article that I had to endure for an hour and a half. And I'm really sorry, because I can see the disappointment in your face. But it, it just, it, it absolutely was not for me. Let's 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 continue with the shit kicking. Go ahead, Kev. I want to hear. Uh, honestly, honestly, that was, I don't want to, I don't want to beat a guy while he's down. Um, yeah, I think. I one feel of the, bad. My, one of the, no. Nate <laughs> likes bad things sometimes. Um, he didn't make it. So most of the time yeah. he does. Yeah. Well, no, but when you like everything, you're bound to like some duds. No. Um, but like specifically about the movie, I just, like you were saying how you couldn't connect with, with Francis McDormand's character. And, and I just felt that she was at the exact same place she was at the end of the movie that she was at the start. I didn't feel any real character growth or that she had learned anything from these people. And, that felt like it was supposed to be the point of the movie, and it just didn't resonate with me. Honestly, I, I said it before. It was it was like they just made the movie up. They grabbed a camera, got in an RV, and just made up a movie as they went along and went, well, nothing really happened with these very interesting people, so we'll just end it here as she's driving off into the sunset. That's It was a, it was a one out of five for me. This- Wow. Totally if only done. people could see Nate's face during this conversation. <laughs> well, I, and oh if my. they could see me pacing it was back the face and I was making watching this movie. Yeah, well, if they could see me <laughs> if they could see me pacing it's because guys, this movie is the best example of what cinema, the power of cinema is. It blurs the lines between documentary and narrative. The story is framed around a character who's fictional, blended into a real life situation with real people that have gone through real grief situations and are figuring their for lack of better words, they're shit out, just very much like she is. She's carrying emotional baggage throughout this entire film, and the way they use space and frame it with her in in isolation with these wide-angle lenses, which is all attributed to the cinematography of great, beautiful backgrounds, but just very harmonious shots that give this, this breath of fresh air to her coming out of her skin and really learning through her connections with nature and people that she has spent far too much time remembering the things that she has lost. While it's important to remember those things in the past, you can't let it hold you back from your future. And that was her resolution at the end of the movie. You're not necessarily supposed to feel it as like a most uplifting, but I think through her journey, you see how she has held on to all of her emotional baggage. And through her interactions with these people, she is able to let go and really travel the road unknown for herself and and where she's gonna go. So I think this movie is is top notch. I would give it a solid five out of five across the board on everything. And Chloe Zhao, for her to take the challenge of taking a story of an experience and create a character for Francis McNorman, who, by the way, Francis went to Chloe about this movie and said, I wanna do this movie, and Chloe made it. She directed it, she edited it. She took so much on to do this film. It really shows. It really shows that there was a passion and a love that was was put into wanting to tell the story of a traveling van life and the life lessons that one would learn from that. I, I kind of feel like we could have had a whole episode of a 2v2 
movie combat just for this movie. <laughs> uh, Mike and I versus Justin and Nate. Um, but uh, I think I think we've we've all said our piece. And I'm going to say the the only interesting thing about this movie is the fact that for the first time ever, a woman was nominated uh, for both Best Actress and Best Picture, as Frances was uh, producer on this. That's the only interesting thing about this. So let's just cool. let's just and yeah, Frances let's just McDormand is a treasure as well. She yeah, sure. But but, it, but if Justin thinks Sorkin's gotten awards for better movies, I think Frances has too. So let's move on uh, to. What I think is perhaps one of the unsung heroes uh, of many classic movies, uh, the person that really controls the flow of a picture uh, while also deciding what makes it into the screen and gets left on the cutting room floor. Obviously, I'm talking about the award for best editing. The nominees are The Father, Yorgos Lamprinos, Nomadland, Chloe Zhao, Promising Young Woman, Frederick Thorvald, Sound of Metal, Mikkel E.G. Nielsen, The Trial of the Chicago 7, Alan Baumgarten. Uh, I'll jump in and start um, a movie I, I rave about constantly. Uh, for me, this uh, goes to Promising Young Woman, uh, Frederick Thorval. I knew nothing about this film going into it, and within 10 minutes I was hooked. The way it, it moved along, the pace it had to it. Um, I'll get into more why i liked it i don't want to sort of spill my beans too early um but I, I i would say that i also want to give a shout out to sound of metal maybe not for best editing but i think any kind of sound mixing yeah. best sound sound of metal walks it the way it incorporated sound into the storytelling was something i hadn't experienced before um that that was fantastic but my my prediction for this one is promising young woman yeah i i think um to your point mike Sound of Metal probably won't win editing uh, here, but it'll probably win in, in the sound category because sound was so integral to that to that story and how you experienced it. Um, Promising Young Woman, that was kind of like I'm, I'm hoping, but I actually think here the trial of the Chicago 7 will take best editing for the reason that I know that Kevin was talking about in screenplay, adapted screenplay, which is the dialogue. There's a lot of dialogue. There's a lot of explaining. There's a lot of things going on in that movie. There has to be a very intricate way that you're layering in those visuals and cutting that audio together that I feel it, it, out of these movies, it, it did it best. And there's a lot of information. So see, like for me, uh, I think editing can define uh, the tone of a movie. And I think Sorkin's script is what did that. That's how he writes. It wasn't it, it wasn't how the the movie was cut. It's how he writes in general is these yeah, quick but cutting no, scenes but and everything. I'd... So that's why I don't think it deserves the <laughs> editing award. The editing is all in that script and how he writes it, in my opinion. Uh, I actually think it's going to be uh, Sound of Metal. Um, I agree with Justin that it 100% has to win uh, the award for sound. Uh, but I think that just the way they cut it and, and you couldn't always see the people and you couldn't always see what they were saying um and it was I, I just thought it was brilliant the way they they put you into the the main character's shoes as he was experiencing this world for the first time uh and so i really think that that's where the strengths come from i i, I really hope it's either sound of metal or the father because i think the way that was cut as well just to to again put you in that character's shoes that's for me where editing really comes into play is the way those two movies were cut um so yeah but i'm gonna go with sound of metal as my official choice 
I would love Sound of Metal to win. Um, that's not going to be my official choice, but just to go off of what you guys are saying, like the sound, it'll win for best sound because it, it, it was literally the driving force to help the audience further understand the film's message. And anytime a movie can pull me that deep into the experiences of its characters and leave me with a greater understanding of what it's like to be someone that's not me, that stays with me. And that's all, that's literally all the sound. I don't think that necessarily has to do with the editing of the film. Um, I think the fact that Trial of the Chicago 7, there's so much that needs to be explained and the way that they jump back and forth throughout the movie it's so well crafted, and mm-hmm. I think that's where the editing comes into play. So for me, I'm I'm going to agree with Justin on the trial of Chicago Seven. Woo! <laughs> and we'll see if we win on Sunday. Yeah, I'm though. hoping. <laughs> I'm hoping. Well, Mike, this was uh, this next movie that we're going to dissect was your choice for the previous category, and uh, as we've mentioned several times throughout the show, some of the most powerful movies are those that define the crucial issues of their time. Uh, And a movie that does that as well as any other this year is our nominee for Best Picture. Our next nominee, rather, for Best Picture. Nothing in Cassie's life is what it appears to be. She's wickedly smart, tantalizingly cunning, and she's living a secret double life by night. Now, an unexpected encounter is about to give Cassie a chance to right the wrongs from the past. This is Promising Young Woman. Mike, we got to lead off with you. I, yeah, I... This is the only film out of all of the nominees that I've actually watched multiple times since it's come out. Uh, I think this film is is stunning. Um, I appreciate, I, I may be overhyping it slightly. Um, I think it's so important nowadays um, where we are seeing so many Me Too movements um, in professional wrestling, they're speaking out movements. We're seeing it across sports. There's obviously gymnastics in the United States. There's been issues regarding uh, sexual assault in football in the UK. And what this film manages to do is spark conversations without coming across in a preachy manner or tone. It's not telling you. It's it's putting you in the shoes of different people. I don't want to get too spoilery into the film. I watched the film completely blind. I've loved Carrie Mulligan ever since she was on an episode of Doctor Who way back when. So I'll watch anything she's in. Um, and then watching the trailer afterward did kind of spoil it because I think they're selling it as a revenge film. And while that is something to do with it, it's not the point of the film. Um, the, the different characters she interacts with, the, the, the way that the, the traumatic event in the past affects each character and how these conversations are presented makes the audience think about this uh, in different ways. Most guys I've shown this to, they've said it's made them feel a bit uncomfortable, not in an extreme way, but recognising behaviours like, oh, maybe I've actually been a bit of a dick to people in a bar, or or maybe I've took something the wrong way. I, I think it's very important. I adore this film so much, and it was briefly touched upon uh, the last 15 minutes of the film. And yes, I, I will concede it is slightly Hollywoody, um, but it it follows a scene which had my jaw dropped for about 10 minutes. There is a, a scene in this film um, which is just jaw-dropping. I didn't see it coming whatsoever. Um, it Yeah, I, I loved it. It was my film of the year last year. I I adore it. 
it's tough to talk about without giving away but but yeah. the, the, the journey that you go on at the start of that scene compared to how it gradually continues and until you reach the end of it and and how it leaves you feeling is not something i've experienced in a film for a very very long time and when a film can do that to me that that moment that you speak of that was a a definite like jaw-dropping like just a shift changer in the story but after that the whole movie kind of falls apart for me like everything leading up to that is unbelievably well done it is so much fun um and and you're right it was marketed as a, as a revenge movie and like the ultimate revenge movie and that might not necessarily be the case but she is out for for revenge in certain sort of way against men um she is she is has has been significantly uh, her trust has been broken with them and and that's the one thing is that we get to see is this sort of like a rebuilding and then a, a certain sort of destruction at the same time right like it's it, it's a really interesting sort of perspective i loved the soundtrack for this movie like i downloaded it after oh, yeah. I, i've been like jamming to some of those beats and i love the music that they chose they chose songs in pop culture that objectify women but then they also take other songs that help empower women like when that violin chorus of toxic plays as she's getting out of the car like to me i was like oh this is good right like this is good that, that was one of the coolest covers i've ever heard in my life I was ashamed to know how much of Stars of Stars of Blind by Paris Hilton I remember. Right. Well. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and so I feel like I, I feel like that the commentary with the certain sort of elements that that surrounded this story as well, um, like like the, the soundtrack helped to kind of create this sort of, you know, what a depiction is and, 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 and what what the change is. I, I loved it. I, I did love it. I, I think I'm, I think I think of you as like at 100. I would probably be at like more like a 75. Right. So. Yeah, I, I agree, Justin. I uh, I'd also put this at a at a seventy five, but I will say for what it does, um, and I think I actually feel like there's more than one jaw dropping moment uh, in the movie. Um, again, without getting into spoilers, there's one specific twist, and you'll all know what I'm talking about. Um, where my stomach just dropped, and like for a movie to make me like almost feel ill about something that happens in it i think that's like that's in incredibly powerful um but i i will say i will say the the moment um like the ending the entire ending of the, the film the last 15 minutes i uh, i did not enjoy that the first when i first stepped away from the movie and then as i slowly kept thinking about it um because the, the movie did stay with me along with a lot of the other movies that are in the the best picture um i uh i started to see how smart it actually was um, and so I actually ended up kind of coming around to the idea, but I, I don't think that, I don't think that this movie, um, necessarily, yes, it was one of the best pictures of the year. Um, but I don't know if it's as good as all the other films that we're talking about. It was this neat blend of a dark comedy revenge film mixed with like a romantic comedy. Um, and then all of a sudden that really shifts with the scene that I think Nate was talking about. Uh, we'll just say, uh, you know, the video. Um, and then, yeah, I, I'm a hundred percent with you guys that I think the ending really falls apart. Um, you know, you have that two and a half minutes and it was just so out of left field and so horrific and so real. And then I think it went Hollywood for the ending and, and tried to wrap things up too neatly. Um, like I've, I've heard from the director that the original plan was to have it end with the, the bonfire. We'll just say that. And I think if it went bonfire and credits, it would have hit harder. It would have left that sickening feeling that that you know that that I think the to the subject topic 
was supposed to leave you with, right? Like, and so I just think that neat little bow took away from the power of the message, in my opinion. That's, I think it was a great film. Um, and, 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 and Mike, you said it was almost a little Hollywoody, and it was, but so good that it deserves to be in the category, but I think it lost itself in those last five or 10 minutes. So if they, if they had not done the Hollywood route, that mo this movie would have been amazing because it would have really hit home this idea that women's voices aren't being it's heard. Still, it's still not it's over. Still being, it's still, exactly. there's, there's no victory there. Yeah. Exactly. One last thing before we wrap it up, because we have talked about this film a lot. I really enjoyed the uh, juxtaposition of casting so-called nice guys in these roles of not-so-nice guys. You had... Right. Alfred Molina, you had McLovin, you had Bo Burnham, who's like the most charming man on earth, and yeah. everyone, Adam Brody, and all of these typical guys you see on TV, film, they're the lovable side character, and all of them have a different edge in this, and I think that helps lull you into a false sense of security. That, that's a interesting great point. Yeah, the it, nice yeah. guy who isn't actually nice. It's funny. Nice, I, yeah. I noticed that without actually realizing I noticed that. That's such a good shout there. That's that yeah, brilliant yeah. casting in that regard. Well said. Um, all right. Well, let's move on to uh, our next category here, our next predictions. Uh, I think it goes without saying um, that most nominees in our next category are often responsible for the best pictures of the year. And it's no different this year, as four of the five following nominees were behind Best Pictures this year. Uh, in addition, history has been made, as for the first time ever, two women have been selected in this category. This is the award for Best Director. The nominees are Thomas Vinterberg, Another Round, David Fincher, Mank, Lee Isaac Chung, Minari, Chloe Zhao, Nomadland, Emerald Fennel, Promising Young Woman. It's going to be Chloe Zhao for Nomadland. Yeah, I um, think so. I, I think, and especially, you know, I think she won at the Globes, right? So um, I think that's very, very telling. I think she, uh, for for her to do what she did with this movie, like Justin was saying, that that's a that's a huge deal. And, and to be able to also, you know, these performances that we're seeing from a lot of these people that actually, <laughs> these are real people that are in this movie, the way that, that she was still able to, capture that without it feeling like I'm watching all these people who aren't actors was really, really well done. Yeah. I, I think the ironic thing here too, is that you have Thomas Wittenberg, who's uh, a dogma filmmaker who in dogma cinema, it is about filming real life and, and kind of like doing improv in, in front of the camera. And this was like a movement that started in like, I believe like the early nineties and, and Lars von Thier and, and other directors from, from that region of Denmark were, were very influential in it. Chloe Zhao kind of did her own sort of style of that movie with, with Nomadland. And she's very likely to win this award, um, because she did it so, so well. Chloe Zhao is, is being celebrated as, you know, uh, having a huge achievement by blurring those lines between fiction and documentary so well. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think it's going to be Chloe Zhao that wins the award. Obviously, as as we spoke upon earlier, um, I'm, I'm not going to continue to share on the film. Um, it, it is a beautiful looking film, and you know you only you only get that if you've got a real life if you've got a real life and a camera. Um, I, I think the Academy are going to love that. And as a side point, I think Kevin Feige is sat crossing his fingers toes everything that chloe Zhao does win this and then what's her very next film marvel's the eternals, eternals yeah. what, 
what a promotional buzz that will be for what a boost that will be for that movie you know oh, yeah. from, from the academy award winning chloe Zhao, uh the eternals however i would say don't be surprised if fincher wins it i'm not gonna rule that <laughs> another another man. hollywood for hollywood yeah yeah oh. if i was a betting man depending on the odds i've not looked at the odds but I, there could be value in in betting on fincher yeah i'll, I'll keep it short and sweet i think uh chloe takes it and i love what you just said there mike maybe they are waiting for this to happen then that's why we haven't seen any of the promotional stuff exactly so they can instantly give you a teaser and go from academy award-winning director but it I all makes think... sense now you just crack the case all righty the next film we will be discussing is a stunner amongst the nominees in the best picture category Heavy metal drummer Ruben's life is thrown into a freefall when he quickly and suddenly begins to lose his hearing. Now he needs to find some solid ground, understand that being deaf is not a handicap, and that deafness isn't something to fix. This is Sound of Metal. Damn, this movie was so good. I was captivated. Uh, like, first off, Riz Ahmed was unbelievable in this film. Like, to go from like to see the range of his acting and, and his character in this film was incredible. Like right in the middle when he's really settling into his way of life, if you will, he is embracing it wholeheartedly and it's doing him good. You see the good that it's bringing out in him as he starts interacting with the kids more and, and, and finding ways to interact with them and sharing his, his passion and love for music. And then just that flip. It was, it's so well done. The, the sound we've already talked about, the sound is so captivating, the way it takes you in. One of my favorite scenes is where he's sitting for his first time in, in a circle eating dinner with, with the rest of the members of the house. And you just hear that fuzz that he hears in his ears. And then there's just a straight cut and it's a wide of the table and he's on the other end. And you just hear the actual ambient noise of what it's like to be in a room full of deaf people. And that there is still a lot of noise, like people banging tables and, you know, like tapping and like just all these certain sort of things. And so laughing and forks yep. clanging and everything yep. yeah and and i also love that they didn't like i don't know I, I did your movie have subtitles mine didn't so the way that they the way that they used subtitles was very purposeful right so very purposeful from the sense of as the character grows uh and and learns more and more then they start introducing more and more subtitles so that's right. just to help us as the audience feel even more just like the sound design does i think that was such a great choice exactly and so that to that point the fact that they didn't have subtitles running for when people were communicating it, it just put you in that that space so much more and really trying to figure it out you were in that journey with the character so bravo this movie 100 percent deserves to be on this list of of best pictures yeah i i want it to i really do want it to win i, I it's it's such a um a, f a really beautiful film and and it 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 does one of those things as i said that that it just anytime a movie that can sort of put its audience in a place where they're able to take away and learn more about you know another culture uh is 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 massive and and has a lot of staying power and um you know i it's it's interesting we have uh, a woman at, at my work uh shout out to jane she's she is deaf she um basically um, is because it's kind of slow right now. She's teaching us all in the store uh, sign language. And it's just really, really cool to experience that. I learned my ABCs in one day with her. Um, and I, I straight up asked her, I'm like, hey, listen, is this getting really annoying for you? How many people are coming up to you and asking you, how do you say this word? How do you say this word? She just very wholeheartedly was like, no, I love it. 
I love it because I'm able to connect more with you guys, and and that's that's the the message of this film um, for for a big chunk of it. And I just I love the way that it it ends in a way that you you don't expect it to. And I just I think come it's, on, it's just so good. No, he sits still. He he actually sits still, right? Like he took. Right. So I think that that's a very point because he's taking in now something else of life. Not only just that, um, I I mean, we've, we've spoken about uh, the character's journey into deafness and how he progressed with that. I also thought this was a very poignant touch on addiction. Uh, the whole time I was watching it and he felt like an addict in terms of how he was trying to get money to yeah. Uh, yeah. to get money for his cochlear implants. Yeah. And yeah. I was on edge thinking, please, please don't please don't use like you've, you've been clean for so long. I really don't want that. And, and that wasn't even a focal part of the film, but the character was so fleshed out that you automatically cared about it. Uh, I believe Rizamed actually learned American sign language for four months, uh, was lived with a deaf community in order to nail this again, similar to Olivia Coleman. Uh, I know Rizamed from a British film called four lions, which is a, mockumentary comedy about the four world's worst terrorists if you've not seen it watch it it's a trip especially if he becomes an academy award winner on sunday <laughs> um but no i i thought the exact opposite um you mentioned obviously he, he got his moment of silence but the hollywood ending the non-hollywood ending for me came from the fact that while riz was the main character in this film his partner also mm -hmm. went on a journey that was yeah. mostly yeah. unseen yeah. yeah, at the yeah. end of the film, they both ended up where they needed to be, and yes. were at peace yeah. with it. Yes, and, uh, and that's kind and of I, that's I kind, that. yeah, and that's where I was really calling it out in terms of I didn't expect that. You know what I mean? I I didn't expect them to revisit that section of his life and for it to turn out that way. Again, we don't want to spoil too much, but it's nice to to see Hollywood show that you know you you can end a relationship and it not be horrendous arguments right. and and both realize and reflect that you've grown. Um, I yeah, I love that. I love that aspect. Well, yeah, they both came into each other's lives, gave each other what they needed, and then you know, um, yeah, they saved know, each other. There was there they was different endings. Um, Just one last thing: the slide scene. The slide scene was maybe the, the one of the most beautiful scenes I've seen all year. Oh, wow, Just yeah. the, the the connection that was made there, um, probably where the the name of the movie came from or inspired by. Uh, if you've seen the film, you know it. You, if you haven't seen the film, you will know it. Absolutely beautiful sequence. Um, I think you guys have nailed so much of what really works about the movie, um, so I won't talk too long. But uh, one thing that stood out for me, I almost draw sort of a comparison to Nomadland in that Nomadland had a lot of um, real people feeling like real people. And in this one, I thought your three leads just felt like three ordinary people. The acting from those three characters was just so extraordinary that they it didn't feel like Hollywood actors. It felt like real people in a real environment. And I think that just made the made the movie work so much. That might be other than the incredible sound and editing. Uh, I think uh, that that for me was my probably favorite was those three performances just making the movie work for me so well. Well, and, and speaking of acting and performances, uh, the next two categories that we're going to predict here really saw a mixed blend of, I think, both powerhouse and nuanced performances. Uh, both categories feature examples that range all over the acting spectrum. Uh, first, let's look at the award for Best Actress in a Leading Role. The nominees are 
Viola Davis, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Andra Day, The U.S. versus Billie Holiday, Vanessa Kirby, Pieces of a Woman, Frances McDormand, Nomadland, Carrie Mulligan, Promising Young Woman. So I think, um, so I watched Ma Rainey's Black Bottom today, actually, uh, as, you know, as of our recording. Uh, and she, Viola Davis, um, is such a powerful presence on screen. Uh, the way that she just, that character, she's just like, she's transformed. I wouldn't imagine, I wouldn't imagine that she, like, I, I didn't know it was Viola Davis. Like, I'm watching, I'm like, that's not Viola Davis. This is, this is Ma Rainey. Um, I, I will say, though, um, Carrie Mulligan, I think, also had a fantastic, um, the, the way that she can switch that moment in the in the movie, uh, which we we obviously we talked a lot about promising a woman, but the way when she makes that switch, that one moment is one of the best things that I've ever seen uh, from from a best actress. Um, but I I do think that the award uh, is going to go to Frances McDormand for Nomadland, um, and again, just the way that she was able to be such a yes yes we know that she was one of the ones that was actually acting and she's a fictional character. Um, but she just was so grounded in reality for me in that movie. Um, I do think she is going to take Best Actress. Hmm. Interesting. I 100% disagree with that. <laughs> I think Frances <laughs> McDormand is, uh, has, as Kevin pointed out earlier, uh, she has won an Oscar before and for things that are far better than this. And I think that the way to truly celebrate this film is through Best Picture, if anything, if it's going to win, or Director. Um, in that capacity. That being said, I do think that this could be between, like I haven't seen Andrea Day in the US versus uh, Billie Holiday. Um, I have heard more things though about Viola Davis uh, in in Ma Rainey Black Bottom. I think that she, I think she could take it, but I want, I'm putting my name down for Carrie Mulligan. Cause nice. I think like, I honestly think that she did such a great job. Like to your point, Nate, like how she switches and and she does it numerous times. It's just it fell so it it was so well done. It was it was a very it was a very well done acting role. So she deserves it if she wins. I mean, you know my feelings on promising young woman at this point. However, sadly I, I don't think she's gonna I don't think she's gonna take the oh. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I my prediction is Frances McDormand. Um I, I think she's I think it's gonna be a, a an almighty sweet Bond night for Nomad Land. Uh, but Nate, fantastic point you made there. Viola Davis probably um, probably my favorite performance of the year. It, absolutely unrecognizable as Ma Rainey in this film. She just goes to a different place. I know the film became very talked about because obviously this is Chadwick Boseman's final performance. But and, and as as good as he was, Viola Davis was unbelievable. You you couldn't yeah. take your eyes off of her. The, the swagger she had, every little movement that she made, made sense. It had a purpose to it. The, the diction in her voice, the way she said everything, it just an unbelievable performance. I would love for her to take it. Obviously, Carrie Mulligan. And just because um, you mentioned you've not seen it, Andrew Day in the US versus Billie Holiday is very, very good. The only one I've not seen is, is Pieces of a Woman, so I can't comment. But um, 
yeah, I, I think it'll be Francis, but if Viola or Carrie win on Sunday, I may do backflips. Yeah, like yeah. Viola, like I think Viola has a better chance than, than Carrie. I'm just putting my name under Carrie because like I think she's good. She's great. Kev. Uh, honest, this was this was the toughest one for me just because I've right? only seen two of the five movie or performances that were nominated here. And so mm. this one I went purely to, okay, what did the award circuit leading into this say? And it was all over the map. Um, Andrew Day won at the Golden Globes. Carrie Mulligan took the Critics' Choice. And then Vanessa Kirby and Frances McDormand were the only two to even earn BAFTA nominations. But Viola Davis won the SAG Award. So I'm just going to go with, with that being generally the key. So I'm going to keep it simple and just go for this one with 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 an answer that I think is the safest Playing the safe card. Viola Davis. Yep. Hey, that's how you win these things, baby. Um, all right. True. Uh, let's move on to our next category. And these are the nominees for Best Actor in a Leading Role. The nominees are Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal, Chadwick Boseman for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Anthony Hopkins for The Father, Gary Oldman for Mank, Stephen Yun for Minari, is this another three, two, one scenario? Because like I feel like we're all I, on the same page. I hope it is. Let Let's try it. Let's okay. try it. Three, two, one. Anthony Chadwick Boseman. No, no. Sorry, I, 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 I think so. I just think that's how the academy tends to um, do these things. They well, I, I think they, this is a notable reason to do it. Obviously, as well. Um, uh, like I. I feel like a, I feel like an asshole going against that, but I want I, Anthony I, all day long. Like I want, I want it to be Anthony Hopkins all day long. Before I watched The Father, I was certain it was Riz Ahmed. Certain it was Riz Ahmed. I thought the dedication that he put into the role, the frustration that he showed, he was fantastic. Um, but after watching The Father, it's Anthony Hopkins. I, after watching Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, I don't understand how anyone could come away from that and remember Chadwick Boseman's performance in relation to Viola Davis's performance because, well, I I know why people will remember it and it's going to be remembered. And he did not give a bad performance by any stretch of the imagination, but he was outshone in that film for me. And I, I my prediction and what I want is Anthony Hopkins. I would love if Riz Ahmed uh, was to take it. Um... I think he did such a wonderful job. Um, again, we talked about Francis McDormand being so grounded. And again, this is a character that felt so real, as we mentioned. Um, but no, it is going to be Chadwick Boseman. I think Levy is so... He, the way he portrays that character is so animated, charming, but also beaten down and unpredictable is is unbelievable. I And, and I've only really ever seen him in Avengers and uh, The Five Bloods. Um but he's so capable of playing these characters that go beyond him as Chadwick Boseman. The character on the screen, much like how we just talked about Viola Davis, that wasn't Viola Davis. I actually didn't feel like that was Chadwick Boseman. It was such a, a really, really wonderful performance. It, I didn't see Black Panther there, right? I didn't see his right, character from The sure. Five Loves. I, I, saw, yeah. I saw Levy, and it was just, I think he just did a phenomenal job. So I, I do think Chadwick Boseman is going to uh, take it. 
Yeah, Chad. I feel like the award's going to go to Chadwick to pay respect to him um, more so than necessarily his performance. And and I and I don't and I don't mean any sort of ill content in that. But in this category, if he was around, he wouldn't have won. And and I and I don't like it hurts me to say that, but like I just feel like it. The reason why he's passed is probably why he's going to get this 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 award win. Um, but yeah, I think that you know there's 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 such a great list of actors here the only person i thought that was like kind of underwhelming was gary oldman I felt like gary oldman was yeah, playing was, gary oldman it was an ungary oldman like performance i just felt like gary I oldman thought he was the best part of man to be honest with you I well yeah, yeah but that's a, that's a low bar yeah <laughs> well, that's true. That true um but um you know speaking of um chadwick's uh, sad passing i thought um you know, like the Oscars do every year, I thought we'd take, uh, you know, just a quick moment to sort of pay tribute to some of the people um, who've given us countless memories, laughs, tears and cheers over the years. Uh, the in-memoriam portion of the Oscars is often one of the most poignant parts of the show. Uh, and while obviously we can't uh, mention everyone that we were saddened to lose, I thought it would be nice to maybe just share one or two of, of those losses that, that really affected us the most. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great idea, obviously. Chadwick Boseman was was such yes. a, a huge shocking loss to to fans around the world. It, it, to to lose someone, at, uh, you wouldn't even say the height of their fame, but think about how much more he could have done as well. It, yeah. It's tragic. Yeah. Um, I as I say, I'm sure we've all got different people. We felt different connections to. On a UK level, Barbara Windsor sadly passed away at the end of last year. She may not be familiar to to many people that are listening right now. Um, she was a UK icon. She starred in uh, near enough all of the Carry On films in the sixties, and then became a legend in the in the UK soap EastEnders uh, as the landlady of the Queen Vic. Um, and she sadly passed away. And Fred Willard, I also want to make note of as well. He mm. he made me laugh so so much. Um, it, it was a real shame to see him go. Um, it's hard to, it's hard to only name a, a, a couple because. We did yeah. lose so many, but um, but yeah, I'm sure you know. You guys yeah, I mean, there there might be bigger names and 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 actors who maybe had more of a, an important and lasting role. But for me, it was Fred Willard. Um, you know, and and you know, uh, I think that it's so nice that one one of his last roles was such an endearing and sweet role, and that was obviously as uh, Phil Dunphy's father in Modern Family. But for me, he'll always be my favorite part of the Christopher Guest movies. Uh, uh, he was just so incredible in um, Best in Show and uh, and uh, A Mighty Wind that uh, uh, he, that one that one hit me really hard just because of uh, what those meant to me. And then obviously uh, a big uh, a big name, uh, Sean Connery, um, you know James Bond himself. Um, and I grew up with James Bond, and so that was that was really you know. Um, and then, but he'll always be Indy's father for me. As much as he is James Bond to the world, he'll always be Doctor Jones for me. Yeah, for me, um, Canadian uh, Christopher Plummer passed away, uh, and the most recent thing that that I've seen him in was Knives Out. Um, and I just, he's just, he's he's so well rounded uh, as a character actor, uh, and he was he was just so great at sort of he could be your loving grandfather he could be mischievous he could be a villain um and you know he had a career spanning all the way back to like the 50s i, I want to say um and so you know for someone to just be around that long and work so much as he did um 
Oh man, I I definitely am gonna miss Christopher Plummer. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a real shame, and, and we'll miss all of them. And and for those that we we haven't mentioned, at least on Sunday, uh, the Oscars it's a great chance to reflect on the amazing work that these these people have all sort of given us that we'll we'll be able to cherish and have forever. Um, but let's move on to our final of the Oscar nominees. And honestly, I did it in alphabetical order, but I am very happy that I've saved the best for last. Here's our look at the final nominee for Best Picture of the Year. What was intended to be a peaceful protest at the 1968 Democratic National Convention turned into a violent clash with police and the National Guard. The organizers of the protest, including Abby Hoffman, Jerry Rubin, Tom Hayden, and Bobby Seale, were charged with conspiracy to incite a riot. The trial that followed was one of the most notorious in history. This is the trial of the Chicago 7. I think All right, I'll, I'll, one, I'll jump right in on this one. Uh, this, is, this, was, this was the movie I was looking forward to most uh, this year, and it just it didn't disappoint me for a second. I was hooked. I was sucked in, and I was absorbed in it from start to finish. Uh, I think the pacing of this movie is just absolutely incredible. It's, it's just frantic. It's boom, 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 in your face the whole time. And, you know, I know, Justin, you were, you were saying that that has a lot to do with editing, and I'm not going to say it doesn't, but I also think every second of this movie feels like it's filled with a piece of dialogue, and, and not just dialogue, but Sorkin dialogue. And so I really just think that it's that dialogue that carries this two-hour runtime, makes it feel like it's about 45 minutes. And then on top of that, you get these incredible performances. Uh, you know, Jeremy Strong is so good as the, the doofus sort of stoner hippie. Sasha Baron Cohen turns in my favorite performance that he's ever done. I just thought it was so for for somebody who's so loud and out and 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 bold and and outrageous most of the time. It was it, it was the subtlety of the performance that that really uh, connected with me. Um, I hate when a British actor can't do an American accent, and Eddie Rain, Redmayne had such a convincing just he he felt real and authentic. And then Mikey mentioned it earlier. I just think um, Frank Langella just the that he's the best villain I've seen in a movie in years. And that all just culminates in, I mean, it's not historically accurate, but none of Sorkin's sort of biopic or sort of historical yeah. movies are. He, he, yeah. he fantasizes, he, 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 you know, he dramatizes them in a way he, that yeah, he yeah. does. Yes. And I, and I love that about it um, because it, it was in looking, oh, well, what actually did happen that I learned more about the case. And so at least it led me to find out more about it. And so, I just think top to bottom, it was it was my favorite movie of the year, and it is the only um, best picture nom that I'll ever watch again, probably. And I've already seen it three times. So, wow, yeah, I think this was probably um, it's a very underwhelming movie from Aaron Sorkin um, in terms of it just felt safe and like the whole the whole the whole film kind of feels like obviously it's trying to do the the right thing about you know sharing a little bit more about uh, historical moments in, in, in the past and the relevancy of, of certain people in, in those in those moments. Um, but like, I feel like he did this so that he could get like, you know, it into the Oscars. It just feels very contrived. It didn't feel like it was as intentional as uh, some of his other films that he's done. And I, I, I get that taking on the task of being a writer and a director and that desire to probably want to do that. Um, you know, you want to see your work in the best representation and 
I don't know. I just feel like this could have been directed by someone else better. Uh, and his words would have still mattered as, and been as impactful. And maybe then, you know, and still have the same characters and the same actors. Um, it could be, it would be really interesting to see, uh, to see what the film could have looked like. I, I don't know. It makes sense why it's in best picture though for its historical, its historical references, but I it don't know if it doesn't even deserve it. a nom for best picture. I don't think so. Oh, Oh, you gotta talk before Shoot. I get angry. Here. Yeah, yeah. Hold, hold on, Kevin. I'm holding you back. I'm holding you back. Don't, don't. Um, I felt with Trial of the Chicago Seven, I understood the movie so much more than I thought I would going into it. Um, I'm I, maybe I'm not the smartest cookie in the bunch here, but Mank, I couldn't follow at all. I could not follow at all really? what was going on for the majority of the film. Um, and it was just, it was just felt too, like they were just the way they were writing. I get why they were writing that way, but trials Chicago seven, like I feel like Sorkin, there was the opportunity to go that route of, of sort of writing it too smart. Um, but I don't think he did. I think he did it at a level that audiences could understand. Uh, and, and in a way that I think, you know, I think it's absolutely deserving of being in best picture. Um, I really enjoyed it. It was a nice surprise. Um, but I will, we'll get to other wins or not, but. Yeah, um, I really like Child of the Chicago 7, and it's a movie that I've, I've thought about uh, many more times since seeing it. Yeah, I, uh, I definitely want to make clear I do think it is a deserving nomination for Best Picture. Um, I'm, Kevin, I'm sure you correct me in this. I believe this is only a second featured directorial movie after Molly's Game. Is that correct? Uh, and then he's got one scheduled to come out next yeah. year. Everything else yes. he's just written. Yeah, Molly's um, Game was his first directorial film, right. and it was awful. Which I'm sorry, that stunk. That one is that is my least favorite Sorkin anything, in my opinion. No, so. but it it shows an improvement in his craft. And when you've got <laughs> such a humongous ensemble cast, I mean, look at the names: Eddie Redmayne, Sasha Baron Cohen, Jeremy Strong, John Carroll Lynch, uh, Yahya Abdul Mateen, who I have to always shout out, Watchmen, whenever I get the chance yeah. to watch yeah, Watchmen. Yes, yes. Uh, Mark Rylance, Joseph Gordon Levitt, Frank Langella, Michael Keaton. And yet, when you mention all of these actors in the context of this film, you remember the characters that they were, and you remember that you remember what part they played in the film. And to do that takes a lot of craftsmanship. Um, yeah. it, it was a favorite of mine this year. It's, it's not my favorite, but I was thoroughly entertained while watching it. Uh, as I say, touched upon Frank Langella, awful villain. Uh, Sasha Baron Cohen was tremendous. Uh, he fully deserved his nomination. I don't think it, I don't think it's the strongest of the pack. Um, and I have some slight resentment towards Jeremy Strong as I have now been compared to Jeremy Strong for the last however long since this film has come out for rocking long yeah. hair, a headband and a beard. Uh, but yeah, well, you just take it with the territory. So, so if but I threw an egg at you, would you catch it? Uh, I mean, I would catch it. Whether it remains intact or not, I don't know. But I would definitely catch it. Um, yeah, I, I thought this was a, a fantastic film. Arguably, there were so many good performances, they all overshadowed one another. It's tough to pick out a uh, one that really stuck out because there were so many good performances, uh, but a very well-deserving nomination for me. And as I say, if, if this is the way Sorkin is making movies with his second film, imagine what his third film, his fourth film is going to be like. 
Nate and Mike, we're still cool. Just, uh, we're going to have to talk after the recording, I think, pal. Um, well, let's wow. move on to uh, the big award. Let's, uh, let's uh, make our picks for uh, the best picture. I think I know what the three of you won't be picking. Um, and we'll see if you're shocked by what I pick. The nominees for best picture are The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. I think this is a 3-2-1. Probably. 3-2-1. No, 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 Minari. Okay, there we go. Ooh, wow. I love that. I love that. Yeah, go, that, was, that was my should. That's my should win, but um, yeah. yeah. That yeah. or Promising Young Woman. Just for context, last year I chose... Uh, parasite and that was very unlikely to happen and honestly this movie it it, it did everything right and everything poignant and timely it, it was reflexive by looking through history it was so well done at the end of it, it it's a big hug like you said mike it's a feel-good movie and i think hollywood and, and the oscars tend to enjoy those kind of movies with like minari where it's it's insightful and it's and it's forward and it it does it hits the right beats and i feel like they're gonna give a movie like that versus Nomadland, which I know everyone else is saying, but I think that film can be celebrated in other ways of, you know, having cinematic achievements. I don't know if it's best picture. I feel like Minari just takes it for me. Yeah, I loved I loved Minari when I watched it. Um, my should, uh, I think, is Sound of Metal. Um, I think Sound of Metal, as we've just gushed over this entire podcast, um, is just such such a wonderful original story that does such a good job at, at bringing you in. Um, and the acting in it is again, incredible. It just does. It, it does so many things, right. And there's so many moments from that movie that I vividly remember. Whereas all of the other movies we talked about tonight, there's yes, there's some moments, but there are more moments in, in uh, sound of metal. That being said, uh, I'm going with Nomadland as my pick. Um, I just, I again, for everything that I said earlier, um, for its craftsmanship as a film, uh, for for the acting in it uh, from from McDormand, I think it'll take Best Picture. Yep, uh, I agree. I, I think it. I think Nomadland's going to have a, a huge night. I think it's going to pick up a ton of awards. I think that's going to be the story of the night. The other story being how few Mank takes home, which is maybe the most Oscar bait movie to ever be created uh my 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 pure one obviously is promising young woman uh, my dark horse pick is minari i would again be over the moon if it was either of those two but i just can't look past nomadland it's been on a uh, hype train i know i know i know yeah it's it's it's, it's there it's, no, I, it seems I, a yeah, given it's, doesn't it it's it's gonna be so bad land and and i think it's gonna be <laughs> For the idea of what the movie was supposed to be rather than what it actually ended up being. I just, I think there's so much of, they, they tried to make this thing and it just didn't hit those notes for me personally. Um, I think a lot of everybody who knows me and has heard me gush over trial for the last four months would have guessed I would have picked that. That's my, I want to win. Um, but as long as it gets the, the screenplay, I'm happy. Um, yeah, the way that Minari hit me in an unexpected way, the way that it, it, it was, it was honestly my favorite of the other seven. Um, so I'm rooting for it, but it's, it's just too obvious that Nomadland is taking it, I think. <sighs> yeah. Well, we'll see next week. We'll see. I can't we wait. Certainly I will. can't wait. 
awesome. Wow, guys, um, that was uh, 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 an incredible show. Thanks for sticking with me for this long. To our listeners who are who are still here, thank you so much for going on the ride with us. Uh, hey, at least we're, we're still only about half as long as an Oscar show actually is. Yes, so exactly. you got to give us some credit there, right? This is the in-depth oscar podcast now this is all you need to set yourself up yes you only need if you're going to listen to one to set yourself up for the big show this is the one tell your friends um let's wish good luck to all of the nominees uh and uh let's thank all the incredible filmmakers responsible for providing us with entertainment during the lockdown you know an otherwise you know uh kind of challenging year uh gentlemen thank you for your insightful contributions tonight uh, and I really look forward to finding out who among us is the smartest and snobbiest of film admirers. Uh, <laughs> again, we hope you enjoyed this uh, episode. If you did, please be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, be sure to leave us five stars. That is basically the equivalent of a shiny statue of a bald man with a sword. Um, whose picks did you agree with most? Which film do you think will take home the Best Picture Award this year? Let us know via email at geekspickoscars at G- Oh, no, that's not it. Uh, Jayla, where can our <laughs> listeners reach us? They can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That was good. I was like, what? what is he? What is he? How did he go? <laughs> uh, Mike, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we always thank love you having you on the show. Hey, yes. We look forward to having you back on next you. week. Yes. Um, you know, really quickly, because our listeners are getting familiar with you, but yeah. why don't you... Uh, Again, let them know where to find you, and please let us know what you're working on or what you have coming up. Um, so, yeah, thank you very much for having me on. It's an absolute pleasure talking with you boys. Uh, it's uh, I was honoured and privileged to be asked to come on. Um, you can find me on the Lingering Around Up Next. Uh, we're a wrestling podcast, but branching off into so many different things at the moment. I host a movie show called The Other Guys, which streams exclusively on Twitch. Friday nights, 6.30 p.m. Eastern, 11.30 p.m. if you're in the UK. Uh, if you're in the rest of the world, unfortunately, work that out. My brain can't handle that time. Um, and we do watch-alongs on Twitch. And there's the Up Next podcast, twitch.tv slash upnextpodcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Hogan Bay. That's H-O-G-A-N-B-E-Y-Y. And Up Next at at Up NXT podcast. It's great having you on, man. It was nice to have like a real in-depth cinematic conversation because I'm dealing with these mug heads that are like, (laughs) (laughs) just joking. They they don't understand the the mise-en-scene. Exactly. (laughs) Thank you for bringing some mise-en-scene to this conversation. I appreciate it. You know, after after that insult, Geek-centric will be back, but J-Law might not be. Uh, No, but uh, we will be back with our summary of the big show as well as the results of our friendly little competition next weekend uh but before that we have our final watch club episode for falcon and winter soldier which will be dropping on monday in addition be sure to check out our last few episodes of the geek centric podcast where nate and i took turns hosting special episodes with very personal themes for us i had the pleasure of hosting an all wrestling extravaganza while nate plugged into the world of video games and uh nate anything you're working on or coming up uh have coming up down the pipeline that you want the geeks out there to know about 
Yeah, I mean, just keep checking into my stream, twitch.tv slash NatePlaysGames. We're opening up Pokemon cards almost almost every stream. Uh, hopefully, we can pull some Zards, and, uh, and you can come through, and we'll hang out, have a great time. Um, I am planning on doing a Pokemon trivia. I did one of them already, uh, and this new one, there's going to be prizes involved. It's going to be a, a ton of fun, uh, and so definitely come through. Join the, uh, the Discord link that I'll make sure Justin puts in the description below to see when we do that trivia. But guys, again, twitch.tv slash NatePlaysGames, Nate.PlaysGames on Instagram as well. If you, uh, if you go and look at Nate's streams, he may sing to you, and honestly... He has the voice <laughs> of an angel. I cannot Aww. stress this enough. He, he is <laughs> a beautiful singer. And that sounds insane. That. It's not. He's genuinely really, really, <laughs> really good. It's so oh, angelic for you. a gnome. Like, honestly, it's yeah. the most angelic voice <laughs> that you Oh, and then you had to ruin it. Then you had to ruin it. As always, we are Geekcentric, and you can be too, which means you can check us out on YouTube at youtube.com slash geekcentric. Follow us on Twitter at geekcentricyt, and follow us on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. Gents, I think I hear the orchestra playing us off, so let's get out of here. Until next time, as we always say, in a bit, lads. Love ya. Stay home safe, guys. Peace.